Hi, I'm Joe Feeks, editor of Poultry Health Today, and with me is Dr. Elizabeth Dale. She's the head veterinarian at Pilgrims. It's great to have you here, thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, you've been making the transition to antibiotic-free production. About what percentage of your production is ABF at this point? We're now over 50%, some form of antibiotic-free, well over that, either um, no antibiotics ever, no human antibiotics, so allowing ionophores but not other antibiotics, or organic in our operations as well as our conventional production. How is the transition going, particularly in the birds that aren't getting any antibiotic at all? I think what's really interesting is that transition has been really variable, depending on the complex, the geographic location, and the other factors that are at play. So if there's one thing we've learned in this process, and we've been doing this three, four, almost five years now, it's that there, the, the only constant is that there's no constant. So the, the challenges are different for each location, and, and I'd say we've learned the same thing using antibiotic alternative products. Um, some that work really well in one location are not necessarily going to work as well for the challenges another location faces. So what kind of preparations did you have to make going into this? I'm sure you had probably several months to get ready, but what was most important to you? as a veterinarian. So that's been variable too in terms of how much notice kind of the, the live team and the veterinary and nutritional staff are given with the transition to some of these locations. But I think where we've been most successful, we have taken the time ahead of time to really prepare as best we can. And some of those preparations um, include, you know, actual housing specifications, so upgrades to housing, um, having enough housing to be able to decrease density, if that's something that we're looking to do. Um, a lot more attention to water line sanitation and water quality, but I would say the biggest one has probably been in our hatcheries. And we're fortunate that as part of our technical team, we also have a hatchery specialist, and he's done a, an incredible job advocating for us for our hatcheries and getting those upgraded and really you know, focusing on sanitation. So having a really good quality chick, I think, has been key to being successful in the animal. Well, and, and you just teed up the ball for my next question, because I wanted to ask you about the hatchery. That's where it all begins. That's where all the bacteria begin too, I guess. Um, what kind of changes specifically did you have to make? I mean, I know sanitation is a given, but you don't have the antibiotic and the Inovo vaccination anymore. Um, what sort of things did you have to do to tighten up biosecurity and, and also make sure that everybody in the hatchery understands those rules? So I think you hit on a couple things that are key. I mean, sanitation, that's, that's number one priority. And that's almost, um, you know, you take care of that and then move on to the other things that are going to make you successful. But I think really working with our teams and our personnel in the hatchery, that they understand the importance and the why um, behind why we're asking them to do all this and take additional measures that maybe we didn't take in the past or to raise that standard overall. So we start there with sanitation um, and the systems we use for sanitizing within the hatchery. But then beyond that, a lot of the improvements we've made, once you take care of sanitation, there's still a lot of things that can impact either positively or negatively if you have a, a healthy, good quality chick. And so a lot of focus on upgrades to equipment and systems and really fine tuning our processes and our, our procedures in the hatchery. So whether that's um, step down programs at the end of hatching to make sure chicks aren't overheated, those types of things, um, in addition to the sanitation, you know, in addition to rebuilding your tray wash or, or those sorts of more obvious things. Now, I'm guessing initially you probably saw at least a, a, a slight hit on seven-day mortality. 
That's what's interesting. So we actually went antibiotic free at the hatchery level company wide in 2016. So we've been completely antibiotic free just in hatcheries across every single complex for coming up on three years now. And again, what was interesting is some complexes, you, you did see that difference immediately. And others, and I would say in our already best managed cleanest hatcheries, we really didn't see that much of a difference. Um, and one of our locations that's actually our organic location, they're the best seven day in the company, even immediately going to the, the genomycin free. So again, the challenges that present themselves are a little bit different, um, but most places we saw anywhere from a quarter to maybe three tenths of a point increase. And then you really start going after, okay, have we ruled out all the sanitation? Do we have QA processes in place to make sure we're monitoring that sanitation ongoing? And then you kind of continue to go from there to see what's driving your seven day mortality. Now, what about once you're out of the hatchery onto the different boiler farms where you've got different managers and so forth? I mean, that's where I would think you would start seeing a lot of variability. Um, do you have any any common denominators that, that you might have picked up on in, in, during the transition that might be helpful to, to the rest of the industry? And I think where we get to a certain level of stability or comfort with managing NAE and coccidial cycling on vaccine, but you still see these sporadic breaks, and I, I think that's one of the most frustrating things about necrotic enteritis, which is something you know a lot of people fight in an NAE setting, um, is when you get to the point where you're not breaking complex-wide, but you have single farms or really even single houses that seem to be those repeaters and you try to figure out what variables are different. And so I'd say some of the common factors for us or one of the, the big things that we've realized is really deepening that relationship with your growers again and making the effort to, to spend the time talking to them. We're having a lot more grower meetings than we ever had before. Really spend the time educating them because in the antibiotic-free world, you have to be so much more proactive than reactive because you just don't have drugs you know, with the power of an antibiotic to treat clinical disease. And so we're really, it's, you know, poultry medicine, I feel like has always been about preventative medicine. It's one of the things that drew me to this area of the profession, but an antibiotic free, that's, that's even more so. You really have to take a very preventative approach. And I think our success there has been training both our service techs and the growers to really look for the signs early and then alert their veterinary staff for the complex. Now, traditionally, um, when companies have gone into antibiotic pre-production, um, coccidiosis is, of course, always a challenge, but then if you get a little coxy, then you get necrotic enteritis. What has been your experience in the antibiotic-free birds? And so, fortunately, we started experimenting and trialing um, with coxy vaccine, going coxy vaccine year-round, or running it as a bio-shuttle program but well before we went NAE. And I think, again, in our most successful locations, they're locations that had been on a bio-shuttle, so maybe using an ionophore in the later diets, but on vaccine year-round. And then we were able to transition much smoothly off the shuttle part to a straight vaccine program. And I think that's really helped some of those locations. We've also really emphasized a reused litter program because of that and the benefit of seeding those houses down over time with coccidial vaccine oocyst. And I think that's helped as well. But certainly getting a handle on your coccidial cycling is, is key. What's interesting, again, after we've gone in AE, is the places where we see necrotic and it's not associated with coxy. So that presents a little bit of a different challenge. I mean, it's always your primary rule out. Um, but once you get a good handle on vaccine, it's been a really good tool. Do you feel like this experience has made you a better veterinarian? Absolutely. Like I said, preventative medicine and population health is one of the things that drew me to this area of, of veterinary medicine. 
Um, but I think this really challenges you as it challenges the whole industry. I mean, it challenges our growers, our service techs throughout the chain um, in terms of preventative medicine and really I tell people that when we go in AE, it really drives being meticulous. It drives perfectionism because that's how you're going to do it successfully because you're trying to anticipate and prevent any of the conditions that are going to predispose that bird to having a clinical outbreak of disease where they require antibiotics. Could you see a day when maybe the whole industry will go antibiotic free or do we always need that safety net? Well, I think that, and I'm very careful around the wording of talking about antibiotic free because even if the whole industry goes antibiotic free and, and as the situation is in our company, we always have antibiotics, and I think that's a very important standard to maintain it as, as a standard of care. So if any bird needs to be treated um, because of morbidity or mortality, we'll pull them out of the program and treat them. Because to me, that's standard of care in veterinary medicine and animal welfare. Um, do I see a day where most of production could be antibiotic-free? Absolutely, I think it's driven us to be better in all aspects, in, in housing and management, in our hatcheries. So I don't find that maybe unlikely, especially with consumer preference, but I do think it's uh, important that we maintain, and especially at a, a regulatory level, the ability to use antibiotics and to use modern medicine in these animals should they need it. We've been talking to Dr. Elizabeth Dale. She's a head veterinarian at Pilgrim's. Elizabeth, thank you for coming by. Thank you.